Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana. I am your host, and I want to begin by saying this. There will come a time in your life, and perhaps it's already happened, but there will come a time in your life when you wake up and discover, possibly to your horror, that your life is not something that's happening to you, but that it's happening by you or because of you. Let me say it this way. There will come a time in your life when you wake up and you understand that the current circumstances of your life, be they financial, emotional, physical, and certainly relational. There'll be a time when you wake up and you see that your current results, what is right now, your current experiences, and how your life has unfolded up until now is not something that just happened to you as if you were powerless that you had no choice, that it was beyond your control. No, you will wake up and see that your life and your results and your experiences have occurred the way they have occurred because of you or by you. This is a monumental sort of awakening moment in a spiritual person's life. When they used to see themselves as a victim, thinking that everything from the shape of their body to the amount of money in their bank account to their relationship status is something that is just happening to them. That they have no power over it. That they certainly didn't choose it to waking up and recognizing, oh my God, I have been authoring my own life and creating it to be the way it is, perhaps in ways I am not even aware of. When you see that, It will shake you to the very foundations of your being. Because most of us, 95%, maybe more of us, truly believe that life just happens to us, that we're victims. And I don't mean that in some really bad, nasty way. But that we, we believe that the shape of my body or the amount of money that I have or my emotional well-being, 
or my relationship status and my relationship history and my relationship experiences are things that have just, you know, shit happens. You know, it just happened to me. Well, you know, it's because of the way I was raised or it's because of my past experiences or it's because of my DNA or it's because of, you know, my emotional makeup or it's because of this or that. We truly think that our current results are things that that it's been caused by things that are beyond us. That it's just happened to me. Instead of waking up to the realization that life is your own movie and you have been writing the script and deciding on the plot and that everything that's occurring in your life has been because you have made it that way. Now, I will say, of course, that we have made it that way unconsciously. We have not been aware that perhaps what we believe about ourselves, about love, about money, about life itself has been in the background creating our results. We might not be aware that our past experiences and how we've held on to them and some of our childhood conditioning and how we have bought into it and adopted it and kept it going has been responsible for creating the life we're living now. So in other words, when you discover that you are not a victim, but you are the creator of your experience, your mind will be blown, but you are also sort of stepping onto truly holy ground. Because when you believe that life happens to you, well, then there's really no way to change it. Because if you had nothing to do with making it the way it is, well, then how are you supposed to make it any different? If forces outside of you have made your life this way, well, you can't control forces outside of you. So you're powerless to change your results. But once you really recognize that I have been unconsciously creating my life, that I am responsible for my relationship status and my patterns and my experiences or my finances or my emotional well-being or the shape of my physical body. When you recognize that you are the creator of it, although you might not know how and what mechanisms were responsible for it, when you see yourself as a creator, you empower yourself to make real change. Does that make sense? In other words, if you wrote the script to be this way, well, then you just simply need to rewrite the script, right? So when you see that you were unconsciously, you had the power to make your life this way, well, then that means I have the power to change it. Okay, so there's good news, bad news with this, okay? The bad news is you're responsible for the way your life has turned out 100%. Nothing has happened to you. It's happened by you or because of you. 
But the good news is, because that's true, you then have the power to wake up, to become conscious of the ways you have made your life the way it is, to become conscious of your personality's blind spots, your childhood conditioning, your relationship personas, your beliefs about life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy. See, so one day you're going to wake up and you're going to see that life does not happen to me. It happens because of me or by me. Now let's transition that thought. Take that with me now, with you now into a discussion about your love life. So what this means is if you are single on some level, you are responsible for being single. You're making yourself single. You are creating yourself single. You are keeping yourself single. Being single is not because I just haven't met the right person yet or all the good ones are taken or gay. No, those are victim statements. You're blaming fate. You're blaming the gods. You're blaming your luck. I just haven't met the right person yet. Or all the good ones are taken or gay. You know, uh, you know, it's just this just guy. You know, I've just got this bad luck. You know, all the good ones are not really available, and that kind of stuff. That's a victim mindset. The creator mindset would say, for some reason, I am committed to not meeting the right man or woman. For some reason, I am committed to not meeting quality people and the good ones are all taken. That's See, that's very different than thinking it's happening to you than to recognizing you're doing something to make it look that way and to, and to have that experience. You know, hang in there with that because this is this is the discussion I want to have with you. I often use the, the analogy of a car, of a, a gas pedal and a brake pedal. Okay? So if you see yourself as a victim, that life happens to you, then you just feel like as much as you have your foot on the gas and you want your car to move toward attracting lasting love. Right, I, I want my life to move. I want to attract a partner. I want to be in a great relationship. That's what I want. But you know what? You know, you're a victim, so somebody won't let my car move. Somebody's taking the air out of my tires. Somebody, you know, did something, sabotaged the engine, and it won't go. Somebody's got their foot on the brake, and my car won't move. That's what a victim thinks, that they want to move in a direction, but that outside forces are keeping them from moving in that direction. I want to attract a life partner, but it's not happening. So something or someone is doing this to me, okay? The creator mindset says, all right, I'm sitting in the car, I'm behind the driver's wheel, and I want my car to move toward a great relationship. I want to go in that direction. I want to attract lasting love. And the person who knows that life happens not to them, but by them says, well, you know what? 
as much as I have my foot on the gas pedal and I want my car to go that way, I must have a foot on the brake at the same time. At the same time, I must be keeping myself single. I must be holding myself back from going in the direction that I say I want to go in. Because if I'm not going in that direction, it's not happening to me. It's happening because of me. So the conscious person, the person who sees themselves as a creator and not a victim, says, yes, I have this intention. Yes, I have this goal. Yes, I know what I want. I want to be in a great relationship. And if it's not happening, that's because on some level I'm sabotaging myself. I don't know how or why, but I am committed to just understanding that I'm not a victim and somehow I've got my damn foot on the brake because you know in a car that you could hit the gas pedal as hard as you want and the car will make all kinds of noise, right? It'll, it'll, it'll make all kinds of noise as the engine revs, but if you've got your foot on the brake, the car's not going to move. In other words, the brake is stronger than the engine. Feel that. The unconscious commitment to staying single is far more powerful than your conscious intention. So that if you have an intention and an unconscious commitment to staying single, the unconscious commitment to staying single is going to win every single time. And if you're a creator, if you recognize that life happens by me, then you recognize, oh my God, I have got an unconscious commitment to staying single. There is something in me that does not want to let my car go toward attracting lasting love. There's something in me that's resisting it. There's something in me that is scared of it. There's something in me that on some level, I don't want it. Even though I say I do, I, t I tell all my friends and I'm online and I want to be fixed up, but nothing's happening in my love life. I mean, nothing, my, my car isn't, isn't moving, even though I say I'm doing all these things. And even though you are doing all those things, if nothing's happened, I guarantee you that behind the scenes, there is a resistance in you to attracting lasting love. On some level, you don't want it. It scares you. It terrifies you. Or you, you believe in some way that having that relationship, there'd be something negative that would happen, something dangerous or something maybe not so good. So on an unconscious level, your body just won't let it happen. Even though in your mind and maybe to your friends, you're telling everyone that you're lonely and you want to meet someone and you're doing everything you know how to do and yet it's not happening and all that. Okay, does that make sense? Now, if you buy that and you just simply have to, you just have to see it. I can't make you open your eyes to see the reality of what I'm saying. Okay, either you see it or you don't. And if you don't, that's that's okay. Just Stay open, maybe one day it'll dawn on you that you're not a victim, that you are really responsible for your life. But if you see it, that enters you into this world of curiosity. It's like, well, if, well, why would I be?
committed to staying single. Like, why wouldn't I want to be in a relationship? I say I want to be in a relationship, but if it's not happening, that means no, on some level, I really don't. And the the unconscious commitment to staying single is stronger. Like, why am I doing that to myself? Why am I sabotaging myself? What am I scared of? Why am I holding myself back? Why am I resisting the very thing I say I want? Like, why am I doing this push-pull thing with myself? Okay? That's curiosity. That's genuine. I want to I wanna see what's going on in my unconscious. And when you're in that place, there's a number of things that you can look at. There's a number of directions that you can, and questions you can ask yourself and directions you can poke around in your soul and look at. And in today's podcast, I want to tell you about one of the most significant ones. One of the most significant ways in which you were, you will un, the reasons why you will unconsciously be committed to staying single is because of something I call your love stories. So I want to talk about our love stories today. And what do I mean by that? I mean that we all grow up in environments and we have experiences. We see things, we witness things through our childhood, our adolescence, whether it be in our families, whether it be in media, whether it's through people we know when we're kids and through our own experiences, you know, early in our teenage years or even maybe college level years. We have experiences and we see things around love and relationships and intimacy. We we watch people who are supposedly in love. We watch people who are in relationships. We see the dynamics. We hear the conversations and it leaves an impression on us. We come out of our childhoods and our early adolescence and maybe even all of our teenage years with stories about what love and intimacy is really about, what it really means. And it's those stories that we carry that we might not be aware of they are like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, you know, was pulling the levers and turning the knobs. It's those stories that often control the trajectory of our love lives. Now, I talk about this in my book, Relationship Boot Camp. And I want to go through a number of the stories with you. And I just want to read you the opening paragraph um, from chapter 24 in the book, okay? Because... Um, Sometimes I write better than I speak because I can spend weeks on editing sentences, <laughs> okay? But here's how I began this story, uh, this chapter in my book, chapter 24, uh, which is titled Rewriting Your Love Story. One of the most powerful issues to explore in your life is how your childhood and your past experiences have affected and influenced your view of love and intimacy. Given your background, given everything you've been through and experienced and witnessed, what stories do you hold? 
What messages did you receive? And what beliefs do you have about relationships? These are enormously important questions because beliefs control actions. For example, if you believe the earth was flat, you wouldn't get into a little dinghy and set off, you know, set sail into the sunset, right? <laughs> Likewise, if you have some sort of negative or false belief about intimate relationships, you'll either create a destructive pattern or you will attract someone who will prove your story to be true or you won't let anyone get close enough to you to prove the story to be true. Either way, your love life is going to be a nightmare. Does that make sense? So here's where we've gone so far. If you are able to open up to the idea, to the truth, that your life doesn't happen to you, that your love life and your, your results your current relationship status. It's not happening to you. It's happening because of you. Like you are unconsciously keeping yourself single. One of the reasons you would unconsciously keep yourself single is that you have a story about relationships and intimacy that isn't so good. You have a belief or a fear or a worry that to be in a relationship means this. To be in love means that. To be married or to be living with someone, to be, you know, connected like that, there's some negative outcome. And it's based upon the things that you have experienced in your past. Okay? So I want to walk you through, I don't know, maybe I'll get five, six, seven of them right now. And I just want to briefly describe them. Um, and it's up to you to sort of say, ooh, that one's mine. Now, perhaps none of them will resonate with you. That would be very rare, but I'm open to the possibility that you don't have any negative love story that is kind of unconsciously keeping you resisting, allowing yourself to be in a relationship. But you would be well, my guess is you're lying to yourself, okay? Um, because you're not single because you just haven't met the right person yet. You're not single because you're keeping yourself single. And these are the reasons why, okay? Let me start with the first one. The first, I call it the first love story that we have. And this one is by far the most common. It's um, it's the one uh, there that was two of them that affected my life. This is one of them. And it's love is heaven. It's the belief that love is heaven. So you might've thought when I was describing love stories that they were all about negative things. And you might think, no, I don't think love is heaven because my parents argued all the time and they had weird dynamics. And no. no, this one is the most common because I don't know about your family dynamics, but I knew I do know about the world in which you grow up, grew up in. I do know about the media messages that you get about love and intimacy. Because 
Um, every single fairy tale, every single love song that you hear, every romantic comedy, the underlying idea is that love is heaven. That love is believed to be the pathway to happiness or paradise or, or wholeness. It's the message that says, unless you find the one, right? The one. It's like love is heaven. You'll find the one or your soulmate. Unless you do, you will be locked out of heaven, Bruno Mars sings. You'll be locked out of heaven. Okay? The most common love story is that love is heaven. Take, for instance, the story of Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, the, 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 what is it? Was it Disney or I don't know who, who came up? Probably Disney came up with it. I don't know. Um, I actually think that as, as amazing as Walt Disney was and the whole Disney Corporation, I mean, what they do in customer service and what they've created is just astounding. But I believe that some of the messages that have come through their movies and their music and their fairy tales has done more to destroy relationships than anything else on the face of the earth. So take Sleeping Beauty, all right? She gets cursed and something like that, you know, and I don't know the, I don't remember the whole story, but she's cursed and she's basically not dead because somebody puts an, uh, a special little blessing on her to where she's not cursed to death. She's just cursed to sleep. Okay. She's, She's basically dead. She's just laying there. And the only way she can come back to life, <laughs> the only way that she can be alive and be sort of resurrected and be saved and, and you know, is that she's got to experience the kiss of a prince, right? It's love's kiss that will bring life back into her body, that will resurrect her from the dead, that will just basically take her to heaven. Right? So, so many of us have this belief about relationships, okay, that, that, man, it's the key to happiness. It's the key to aliveness. It's, I've got to find someone to be whole. I've got to find the one. I've got to find my soulmate. Now, how does this sabotage your, your love, your love life? Well, in one major obvious way is that you very quickly find out that whoever kisses you is no prince or princess. <laughs> you very quickly find out that life partners are lousy life sources, right? You quickly find out that love and intimacy can let you down, that, that, that people are human, that, they sometimes break their commitments or they, their feelings change or they get distracted by other things or, right? So when we really, when we have this story that love is heaven, it's going to save me. I got to find the right partner. It can make us be overly picky because you got to find just the right person. If, if they're going to kiss you and bring you back to life, it can't be just anybody, right? It, so you, you have an unrealistic expectation of relationships 
And therefore, because you think a relationship is supposed to make you feel alive, it's supposed to make you feel whole and make you feel happy, when you recognize that you're in a relationship with perhaps a great person and yet you still don't always feel alive and you don't always feel whole and you don't always feel happy, well, oh, I must have the wrong partner then. So I'm going to get rid of this one and I'm going to move on to another one. I have a client right now that is basically going to walk away from a relationship because they are not feeling that like their partner is making them happy enough, is, is fulfilling them because she believes that love is heaven and that if you're in a relationship, you're going to feel excitement and joy and pleasure and happiness and all the time. And, and then when you don't, oh, I must have the wrong partner. So you end up keeping yourself single, chasing a fantasy about what a relationship can and can't do. Okay? So love is heaven. I had this one. And my whole first book, A Drink With Legs, is about, you know, relationship addiction. It's like love is my drug. Like love is going to, you know, you know how it is when you take your drug, you feel that blissful feeling, right? Oh, if I find the right partner, it's just going to, it's going to heal all my wounds and solve all my problems and love is heaven. And that effed up my love life for decades. Okay. And it kept me single and it kept me miserable. So that's the first one. Just love is heaven. Second one is love is sacrifice. You can grow up in an environment where you look around you and you see relationships and you see, oh, well, to be in a relationship means you have to sacrifice some important dream or decision or direction in your life. Like if you're going to be in a relationship, you're going to, you really are going to give up on, you're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to sacrifice some things. You, you are going to lose out a little bit because you're living with another person. You're, you're in a relationship with another person and it's, it's, it's just really, it's, well, really, to what makes a relationship successful is, is people willing to be to sacrifice for one another. Okay, So, like, for instance, if you ever been to a, a, a like a reunion uh, where someone is celebrating their, like, 40th or 50th wedding anniversary, you ever been there? Okay. If you were to ask a couple, and I, I challenge you to ask them, ask a couple who's been married for 50 years, you know, how, what's the secret to a long and lasting happy marriage? The couple's answer is going to be something about being willing to sacrifice and compromise or being unselfish. That's what they're going to tell you. That the key, the secret to staying together for 50 years is learning to sacrifice. But you see, you can grow up in an environment where you you then witness that maybe your mom or your dad sacrificed a dream of theirs to be married and be in the family or sacrificed a direction that they've, you know, perhaps your mother said, oh, I always wanted to go to school and get my MBA and stuff like that. But, you know, 
your dad was working and then I got pregnant and you know, it, 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 you just sometimes have to give up some of your dreams and some of your directions because, you know, you just can't have what you want and you can't always have what you want. And so you could, you could be in any scenario like that. We could switch it around in other directions. Um, you know, you could be in a situation where your dad, your dad's working all the time and like, for, like in my family, for instance, my dad was a really good trumpet player when he was, you know, like in high school and so forth. I mean, like really good. And his dream was always to be like Louis Armstrong. He wanted to play in a jazz band and play the trumpet. That was his passion. But, you know, he got married really young. And before he went off to the war in Korea, you know, his family pressure, you know, you know his, his family was old school Italian. You know, play the trumpet? No, go to work, get a job, right? So for for... For him and my mom and the family, he he sacrificed his dream of what he really wanted to do with his life for the relationship. Now, you could argue whether that was good or bad or right or wrong. I'm not saying my dad necessarily regretted it, although I think he actually did. I don't think he would ever admit it, but I think he regretted that he never really pursued his dream of music. Because my brother is a trumpet player and he plays in the San Francisco Symphony. And I think that my brother lived my father's dream for him. Okay? Well, that's a whole other story about my life, but who cares about that? We're talking about you, <laughs> right? So do you, do you get what I'm saying here? That you can have a message that, well, love, relationship is about sacrifice. And so, so there could be something in you that says, well, I don't want to sacrifice any dream or decision or direction in my life, you know, to be in a relationship. And so you, on the surface, you might be saying, yeah, I want to meet someone. I'm online. I'm getting fixed up. I'm doing all this stuff. I've hired a relationship coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to find someone. But there could be some sort of unconscious belief in the background that says, yeah, but to be in a relationship means you have to sacrifice. And that part of you has got the foot on the brake. Say, no, 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 I do not want to sacrifice. I don't want to give that up. Okay? Now, is it true that you have to sacrifice? That's where we're going. And in your mind, that's the point of this. In your mind, it is true. I saw it. That's what I witnessed. Okay? And that belief can be so powerful that it will sabotage you. You'll either choose partners you know, where it's not going to go anywhere anyway. So you never have to really risk sacrificing or facing the possibility of sacrificing because you never choose someone that's really available or, or sometimes you just, you know, you just never date at all. You, you, you never let anything progress and it never gets past the first or second date. Like I talk to clients all the time and they're like, you know, my pattern is I, I never get past the second or third date and they think it's happening to them. They, they think, oh, they're just choosing the wrong partners or everybody else has a fear of intimacy. They never stop and say, well, maybe I'm the one who's afraid of intimacy. Why would you be afraid of intimacy, you ask? Well, because intimacy means I have to sacrifice an important direction or dream or decision in my life. Oh, if you believe that, well, yeah, then you won't let it get past the second or third date because now it's going to get too risky. 
Okay? So, love is heaven. Love is sacrifice. You could grow up in a, in a family situation or experience by watching other people in your life where you get the message, the story that love is painful. That's the third one. Love is painful. Um, if you've been deeply hurt or if you've witnessed someone else being devastated or torn apart by infidelity, addiction, abuse, financial deception, or some other horrible experience, the resulting belief might be if you get close to someone, you'll get hurt. Relationships lead to pain. Gulp. Relationships lead to pain. My mother was in pain for years, you might say. My dad was just hurt and in pain. He showed it as angry and anger, but he was in pain. So is there a possibility that you witnessed relationships as being painful rather than joyful? Hurtful rather than supportive, right? So if you've seen that, if you've been around that, if you grew up in that atmosphere, do you understand how there might be a big part of you that's got the foot on the brake? Don't go there. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Or this can happen from your own experiences through adolescence, college years, early adult years, you know, where you're hurt, you're deceived, you're you're betrayed and love is painful. Love is painful. And then you hire me as your relationship coach. Now you're 53 years old and you really want to meet someone. And you're like, Roy, I haven't been on a date in five years and, and nothing's happening, but I really want to meet someone. I really do. I really do. And nothing's happening. And you think you're a victim. You just think, oh, all the good men are taken or gay by the time they're 53, right? They're, they're off the market. And I'm like, no. Is there a reason why you might be unconsciously keeping yourself from meeting a great guy? Is it possible that you've tied love and pain together and there's a part of you that's just protecting yourself by, keep, by staying single? There goes another gulp. Okay. So is this your story? That love is pain? And obviously, I think you can obviously see how this would be something that's behind the scenes, putting the foot on the brake, saying, don't go there. No, don't go there. Right? So love is heaven. Love is sacrifice. Love is pain. How about, this is one I grew up with. My, this is my second one. Love is earned. Many people grow up in families where love had to be earned, Right? whether it was academic, artistic, or athletic. They were expected to be perfect or successful. And the message they received was that their value and worth was determined by their performance. So when children are raised in this type of environment like I was, they confuse who they are with what they do. They often grow up to become uber-competitive workaholics, me, Terrified of failure, me, and haunted by feelings of inadequacy, me. See, in my childhood, love and approval was tied to performance. Now, it wasn't like there was a note on the refrigerator that said, Roy, you got to be the best or get out. 
right? It, it wasn't like that. Um, but I received more attention and affection and applause when I succeeded or won at something than if I was average or ordinary. And the message I received was that love is earned via performance. Okay? Now, how does that sabotage your love life? Well, because it will make you it will make you be authentic inauthentic. You will feel like love or a relationship when you meet someone is I've got to perform for it. I, I, I've got to, I've got to be the world's greatest boyfriend. I, I, I've got to, I've got to pretend or at least act like, you know, I'm really good. I'm, I got it really together. Like I've got all this going for me. And so I would show up in relationships trying to earn the love of people, the love of a woman. I'd be, I'd be kind of wanting to perform for her. Like I'd be wanting to impress her. I'd be, and, and so therefore, I would be showing her parts of me that I thought were going to get lots of approval and lots of applause. And I would hide the parts of me that I thought, you know, that I'm not going to get love if I show this. Because in my mind, love is earned. Love is about your performance. It's about how good you are or something like that. Does that make sense? So rather than being a real and authentic person, I became like a chameleon and I morphed into whoever or whatever I thought the other person wanted me to be in order to win their approval or their love. Do you see how that would sabotage a person's love life? <laughs> it's like, right? It's like they're, you know, they don't even know who I am because I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out. I'm just like a relationship is a contest. It's a competition. I'm, I'm going to win you over, you know? Um, and that's no basis for any type of real relationship. And there comes a time when you feel like I have to earn love where you say, fuck it. Like, if that's what love is, I don't want to have to earn it. I don't want to have to be good enough for someone. You can get a lot of anger and a lot of resentment and just give up on the whole thing. It's like, I don't want to play that game anymore. I don't want to be judged and I don't want to, try to impress. And so if love is earned, then I'm out. I, I don't even want to let myself get in that environment anymore, right? Because you might not have really liked that. Like I didn't really like that as a, as a child growing up in an atmosphere where, you know, the love or appreciation, the noticing that I got was, was only when I performed well. It, I didn't feel valued or desired or or wanted or loved just, just by being me. It was only what I did. And, and there's a part of me that, that didn't like that. And if that's what a relationship is, there's going to be a part of me that says, no, don't go there. Don't, don't keep that going. Don't, don't keep that story going. Do you follow me there? So can you relate to this story that love is earned? If you're listening in the U.S., this is a this is a U.S. thing, man. I, I, this country is really about performance, um, really about achievement, whether it's academics, athletics, you know, art, whatever it might be. Okay, the fifth one is love is controlling. See, let's let's start let's let's start with this kind of backwards. The fear of commitment. 
is pretty common, wouldn't you say? The fear of intimacy, fear of commit, commitment, commitment phobia kind of stuff. And it usually results from witnessing an unhealthy power dynamic at some point early in your life. For example, if you grew up in a home where one parent was aggressive and dominant and the other parent was passive and submissive, you might resent the power parent for being selfish and controlling, but you also might resent the passive parent for forfeiting their autonomy and allowing themselves to be stifled and controlled. This dynamic might warp your view of marriage, don't you think? Creating the assumption that those are the only two options. Oh, if I'm going to be in a relationship, all right, it's all about power, okay? It's all about power. It's all about control. So either I'm going to be the person that has it or I'm going to be the person who doesn't. I'm going to be the controller or the control E. And you might look at that whole thing and say, F that. You know, I was like, if what I saw in my parents or what I saw in my early atmosphere, you know, if it looked like that, there might be a really big part of you that might be sort of unconsciously behind the scenes saying, I don't want to be in a relationship. Not if it, not if that's what it's going to be. And if that's what you've witnessed, that's what you think it's going to be, right? That, I mean, if psychology has taught us anything, it's that your childhood is a big deal. <laughs> that might be the easiest way to describe psychology. The big discovery that Freud had was that your childhood is going to fuck you up. Okay. It's going to leave impressions on you. It's, it's it, because it's, it's your environment, right? And people often joke, you know, if you sat down with Freud or something like that, the first question would be, so tell me about your mother, right? <laughs> so that's because our childhoods are so powerful in the formation of how we see life and we see the world. So if you grow up in some sort of family where one parent makes all the money and lords it over the entire family, or if a parent has a violent temper, an addiction, or a psychological disorder, you know, the locus of control is established in those circumstances. And the whole family walks on eggshells. You know, careful never to set them off. Right? So think about that. You have to think about how powerful your childhood environment is in shaping your view of relationships. And if you had things like that, you know, somebody had all the money and, hey, I work all day, I bought this shit, so this the house is going to be this way, right? Um, or if somebody had a real temper, oh, don't upset your dad or don't upset your mother, you know, um, you know, there's a dynamic there that you that you learn. Or if somebody had an addiction, if there's an active chemical addiction in a family, it's like the whole family is addicted. The whole family is in an environment where there are enablers and then there are rebellions and then there's the addict. And then, you know, there's, the, there's a whole dynamic that happens in a family, which is why there's, you know, AA and then there's Al-Anon, right? Because everybody has a role in an addiction family. Or if somebody has some sort of psychological disorder, 
you know, a borderline thing or a manic depressive or, you know, just being depressed or anxiety, right? So love is controlling or love is about power. What is, what's the love story that might be going on in your life that's sort of behind the scenes where a part of you says, no, I don't want to be in a relationship. I know how much, you know, like you have this conversation with yourself. I, I know how much Roy says he wants to be in a relationship, but I don't want to because love is heaven and, or love is about performance. And I'm sick of performing for people and trying to get people to notice me by how good I am. You know, I don't want that. I don't want to, if that's what it is, I don't want to be a part of it. So these are just, these are just five I just came up with. I mean, you could, there's all kinds of love is about sex. Love is, uh, oh my God, there's so many different nuances to this. Your job is to start by saying, what is, what is the reason I might not want to be in a relationship? Even though I say I do. And you do. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you do mean it, that you do want to be in a relationship. I'm just saying that if you're not, because you're not a victim, but you're the creator, if you're not in a relationship, there's a bigger part of you that has a really good reason why it doesn't want it to happen. You got a big ass foot on the brake is what I'm saying. You're keeping yourself from moving toward attracting lasting love. How and why are you doing that? That's your work. Why do I not want to be in a relationship? See, that's a way better question than where do I go to meet someone? You know, how do I approach them? What do I say? How do I flirt? You know, all that stuff. Well, do you see how meaningless those questions are? If there's a big part of you that doesn't want to be in a relationship, that's afraid of it, that thinks you're going to, you know, be controlled or that you have to earn it or that, you know, it's about power. It's about compromise. I once had a client, maybe I shared this story with you, but I, if I have, I'm going to share it again because it's so powerful. It's one of those moments in my coaching career that, you know, it was just my, my own mind was blown. I was talking to this woman client of mine and she was in her early forties and by all conventional means, just a drop dead, gorgeous woman. Okay. I, I, I mean like magazine cover. Okay. Just beautiful. And she hadn't been in a relationship in like 15 years and never, never was married and never really in a serious relationship. Right. So we all know it's not because she was, you know, ugly and unattractive or something. It's not, it's not like she looked like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say a name. That would be so cruel. Um, but it wasn't because she, the way she looked, I was suspicious that there was something unconsciously where she wasn't letting herself be in a relationship. Cause she, she would tell me, Oh, I get hit on all the time. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, yeah, I've seen your picture. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know why. All right. So we were just chit chatting one time. We were just talking and, um, she told me about when she was like 14 years old, her parents went through a terrible, nasty divorce. I mean, like they were at each other's throats and anger and hatred. And it was just, you know, it was one of those things 
you know, like the War of the Roses, okay? It was just an awful situation. And she just mentioned to me just nonchalantly, I just, she said, I remember when I was 14, said, I'm never going to let that happen to me. And I just, my jaw dropped. You know, I was like, and she just kept talking. I said, whoa, 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 back up. You know, beep, 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 beep. Back the truck up here a minute. What did you just say? Oh, what? My parents fought all the time and the divorce was ugly? No, no, no. You said that at, when you were 14, you told yourself that you would never let that happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? You don't see it? You don't see why you're single? Like, What's the best way to never have a terrible divorce? How about never getting into a relationship in the first place? I told her, I said, you made a commitment to the universe that you would never allow yourself to have the possibility of being in such a contentious, anger-filled situation. And you've done a great job of that. Now you're 42 and you've never let anybody get close to you because you made that commitment. And she was like silent for like three minutes. And then she started to cry. <laughs> because something snapped in her. She's like, oh my God, I'm keeping myself single. Because yeah, I don't, I don't want to experience what happened there. Now, here's how you rewrite your love story. It's not that you deny that you experienced that love is compromise or love is power or love, love can lead to pain, which is what hers was, right? It's, it's not that you, don't, you didn't experience that stuff. You're not going to just try to act as if it's not true and you never saw that. No, no, no. All you're, all you're basically doing is recognizing that even though I saw it, does that mean that Everybody experiences that? Does Is it true that love is pain for everyone on the face of the earth? Is it true that everybody that's in a relationship is compromising? I'm not. I don't compromise anything to be with my wife, nor does she. We have win-win. I am not giving up anything to be with her. I'm not even giving up being with other women to be with her. I choose not to do that for my own benefit, not for her. I'm not compromising my sexuality to be married. I do it for myself. Right? So there's, there, is, there is no compromise in my life with my wife, and there's none from her. If I heard that she wanted to do something, but she wasn't going to do it because it might affect our relationship or somehow it would make life more difficult for me, you know, that I might have to take on more of a role around the house or do this or do that because she's going to spend more time learning to paint or to become a yoga instructor or I don't I don't care what it was. If she told me that she wasn't doing something or following a direction or a dream that she wanted because of our relationship, my head would explode. I mean, I that Nothing would make me more angry than that. It's like, no, no, we're together to support each other's complete growth into who we are. And if our relationship is holding either one of us back, the relationship has to go, not the dream. Okay? The relationship is not the most important thing. 
living our full lives, fulfilling our passions and our purpose on this planet as individuals is the most important thing. And then you find a relationship that supports that. You don't get into a relationship and make that the priority and then you give up everything you've ever wanted to do just to stay married or to stay this or that. That's a horrible way to live in my view, okay? So the way you rewrite the love story is you acknowledge that, yeah, that's what I saw. Yes, I noticed that I have this story, this belief, but is it true? Is it true that love has to be earned? Is it true that love is about control and power? Is it possible to be in a relationship where there is mutual support and mutual engagement and people are equal and they communicate and money is not used as a weapon and all that stuff? Of course it's possible, right? So just because you experience something doesn't mean you're locked into it, although that's what your mind will tell you, right? Your mind's going to say, oh, love is power. Love is control. Uh, if you get in a relationship, you better, you know, the ball and chain, right? Yeah, no, you get that ball and chain, you're not going to be able to go out and do stuff anymore. You can't hang out with your friends anymore. You can't do some of your hobbies anymore because now you're married and he or she is going to put a clamp down on you. That's garbage. That's not a relationship. I don't know what it is, but it's not a re- It doesn't have to be that way. So your love story is fundamentally not true in the broadest sense. It may have been true in terms of what you experienced. Yes, maybe your mother and father were in some weird power dynamic. That doesn't mean you have to be. Yes, maybe you saw your mother and father compromise on all kinds of things and they both you know, were later in their life and just disappointed about a lot of the things they never got a chance to do. That doesn't mean you have to do it that way. So we have these stories, these thoughts, these beliefs about relationships. And this is where like Byron Katie's The Work, like thework.com comes in really handy, asking some four questions, you know, love is compromise. Is that true? Can you absolutely know that that's true? Who would you be? You know, how do you feel when you believe that? Who would you be, who would you be if you never believed that? Right? So the important thing here is for you first to recognize my love life is not happening to me, but by me. And that means if I'm single, I'm keeping myself single. I am committed to being single on some level. And then it's, okay, why am I doing that to myself? Why am I keeping myself single? Oh, maybe I have a weird story about love and intimacy that doesn't feel good, that doesn't sound good, that scares the hell out of me, that I want no part of. And so even though I say I want a relationship, my foot is on the brake saying, no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. And like I said earlier, the foot on the brake is stronger than the foot on the gas. So you got to identify your love story. Once you identify it, oh, then we can rewrite that baby. That's where I come in. As a coach, I come in by, first of all, pressing you and not allowing you to play victim. You're not single because you just haven't met the right people yet. You're not single because you work a lot of hours or because you have kids, you know, or because, you know, 
you make more money than most men do. Now, you're not single for all those reasons. You're single because you want to be. You're single because you want to be. And my role is to help you face that and then see if you've got the courage to say, well, why do you really want to be single? I don't even want to talk to you about how to meet someone. I want to talk to you about why you don't want to meet someone. What are your stories? What are your beliefs? Let's identify them. Let's get them out in the open and let's deal with them one at a time. Let's unwind them. Let's see that they may have been true in terms of what you experienced, but they are by no means true in reality that, that it has to be that way. Love does not have to mean compromise or pain or performance or control or power or anger or sex or whatever story you might have. So I want to be your coach to meet you at the place to help you really own your creatorship and then to help you own your commitment to being single and then to and then to witness you discover why you've been sabotaging yourself all these many years, why you've been holding yourself back. And then I might get a chance to witness you when you take that foot off the brake because remember, if you got your foot on the gas and the brake, right, the car's making a ton of noise like you make a ton of noise to people about how much you want to meet someone, but it's not happening. It's not moving. Well, the minute you discover, oh my God, I got my foot on the brake. <laughs> it's like, oh, no wonder why it's not moving. And you, you unwind that story. You take your foot off the brake. What happens to the car? It shoots forward. Like it just going gangbusters. So very often people that really look for the story and they unwind that story very quickly get to their destination. It's like sometimes within days or weeks, they meet someone. Because there's no inner resistance to it anymore. Because life is about love. It's about the flow of love. Love is all around you. you. You have to be closing yourself off to it, not to have it. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. If you're not in a relationship, because you don't want to be in one. It's not because they're all taken or gay or all the, you just haven't met the right person yet. No, it's because unconsciously, you don't want to be in one. And that's my role as a coach, is to hammer you with that <laughs> lovingly a velvet hammer okay but then to work with you with being curious and try to understand what your story is oh why is your foot on the brake oh beautiful let let are you willing to take it off are you willing to rewrite the love story are, re, are you willing to let it go if you are oh my god your car can start moving so quickly you'll just be amazed so if that interests you, if that's the kind of work that you think you need to do in your love life, well, you know where to find me, right? Roy at coachingwithroy.com. Call my cell phone number, 407-687-3387. I'm right here to work with you. Would love to do it. All right. Until next time, ooh, take your foot off the brake. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. 
Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.